Today we continue in our series on, in Philippians, and we're in chapter 2. Now I reserve the right to go back to chapter 1, but we will be in chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 4. So while you're turning there or preparing for that, have you ever desired unity in those around you? Now, having come through COVID and things, some of our jobs have went, either we've had to change jobs because of it, or others that might have, uh, maybe you've changed jobs for other reasons, and, and we've also had the situation where we were at home, and some now have had to go back into the workplace. And it's one thing to deal with people when you can, you can turn them off and go about your merry way. It's another thing when you have to deal with the same people and they just don't go away because they're in the same place. And so, have you ever wanted unity with those that are around you as you have those interactions? Now, Paul's writing this letter, and he's writing to the Philippians. And we've talked about before that uh, it's a very encouraging letter and uplifting on what they can, can do. And if there's anything in here that, that maybe he's prompting them towards, is towards unity. And, he, and as we'll read, he desires unity amongst them. But then he gives some, some insights. And as we read the scripture, he doesn't necessarily tie one to the other, that if you do these things, it'll bring unity. But as we read what he says, I think you would agree that it supports unity. So let's go ahead and, and get into the reading. And Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And we'll be reading from the New King James Version, but feel free to follow along with the version that you have. Therefore, if there is any uh, consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, the same, having the same love, being of one, cord, one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. May God add his blessing through reading this word. If we look at verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. You can see where that's a desire for unity. Working together, thinking similarly, loving one another. And in verses 3 and 4, as we read those to you, you can see where I was trying to prepare us and the concept of those things, he doesn't say, if you want unity, do these things. But in the same section of the letter where he talks about unity, he then prescribes for them or gives them direction on how to conduct themselves. Either way, it's a directive that we should follow, but I would submit to you as we look at these, that if you do what's in verses 3 and 4, it's going to bring unity. And the activities that are in 3 and 4 are not the only reasons to be doing those. We would find other scriptures to support what's being talk, talked about. 
But let's start breaking this down a little bit as we begin with verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Now, in some of your translations, you will find vain conceit or empty, just other words that are like that, and it's, that's consistent with what you might find in the Greek. This concept of let nothing be done through selfish ambition or vain conceit or empty pride. It's kind of like you've ever run into someone that they take credit for things or they think they're all that or they're better than they actually are. And uh, sometimes you wish someone would tell them um, what's going on. It, uh, I remind, I'm reminded of someone that, that shared the concept, but my wife and I went out to eat on, on Thursday night, and the place that we went to eat, we were set somewhat afar off, but we could hear in the distance, and when they turned it up, it was right upon us. They were doing karaoke that night. We did not know that they were doing karaoke, and some of them did pretty well, and some of them it would have been may not have been as well as good as far as being on key and things like that. And for some people, that's not a big deal. For other people, when music is performed or presented and things aren't on key, it's even physically painful for them. And so it was rather interesting. We didn't plan for that, but it reminds me of uh, a, a preacher one time, that, uh, or a speaker, that talked about someone getting up there on some of these American Idols or some of those different concepts. Uh, contest shows and they sing and they're not that good they think they're pretty good but they're not that good and the, the question was like where are their friends do they not have any friends should, could someone not have loved them enough that told them don't do that but some people are very confident that they can do everything and it's this vain empty conceit you know it's a coming across and and thinking that you can do it. And I think some of this, Paul talks about uh, this cautiousness, don't think too highly of ourselves. You know, don't, uh, um, as he continues on this lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Be careful that we don't build ourselves up with false pride. And let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, it's all about you. It's not about anybody else. It's, it's just about you. And you can see where that can cause some of a problem. And I'll give you an illustration in a little bit. That if, if you're working with someone and it's always about them and just about them, it causes problems. And when you're working in a group of, and, and team of people and they think they know what they're doing, but they really don't know what they're doing, and then they, they tell something to the boss and the boss it sounds good to the boss because the boss doesn't know any better. Then you're all stuck doing something you know that's not any good either. It doesn't add to unity in the workplace. But if you think about that, even if it's in a church or even if in a family, we have to be remembering that we're part of a church or we're part of a family. And I'm not, I'm not going through this construct and this thing because I've, I've, I've found something and I'm targeting us. Uh, that we need to do something. This is what's in Philippians 2. We're in a series. So, so this is just following along in what's this, in this passage and applying it. But we can see that that admonishment to us is that we have to be careful that 
it's not all about us and what's going on. I mean, when you think about it in, in different places, you can see, maybe you can see things in others better than yourself. And so as we see them in others, maybe we can look back to ourselves, this concept of, do we give credit? We've seen people that give credit to other people, and, and we can also take credit. We take more credit maybe than what we deserve because we're like, hey, look what I did. And you didn't really do it. It was a group of you that did it. Now, there are cases where you've done it. I'm not saying that, but it's this, it's about my ambition, and I'm going to step on, I'm sure you've run into this, I'm going to step on whoever I've got to step on to get where, to where, where I want to be. That's selfish ambition. And then we kind of get that pride of what's going on is because of us and only us. But it says, In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. So it's one thing, say, to keep yourself in check and be in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than himself. Do you esteem others better than yourself? Well, that can be a challenge. We can naturally know that we're good at some things and not good at others, but back to what I talked about a couple minutes ago, do we give credit? And by giving credit, we acknowledge that we did this with other people. But do we esteem others better than themselves? Do we, are we willing to acknowledge good things in other people? I have been around, I remember an individual at least, and maybe you've been around individuals like this, that it seems that the only way that they feel better about themselves is by putting others down. They don't seem to have a good, healthy concept of themselves, or maybe they just think too much of themselves. But it feels like all they do is put other people down, either to push themselves up, or maybe they just think that way. And they've got the answer. They esteem themselves better instead of esteeming others more highly, looking for the good in others and recognizing the value that they bring and to the group or to the environment or to the relationship or to the task. Just having that respect and looking out for, for others. And in verse 4, let each of you look out and not only for their own or his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You ever seen selfish people? It seems like they're, they're selfish. What does it mean to look out for the interest of others, anyhow? 
You don't want to see it all the time, but it's, isn't it nice when you're trying to carry a bag out of the grocery store or you're trying to get someplace and someone reaches out and opens the door for you? Hey, let me help you. It's good manners. It's courteous. You don't always see that. I mean, at Christmas time, you might even see the opposite where people got to go in and run a block so that somebody else can get in front of you. to make sure that uh, they're taken care of. I mean, we had a recent incident where somebody took a gas-powered car and put it in an electrical charging station to block it so that somebody had an electric car could get in there and save them a a charging space. While a family, somebody else had to wait because this other person needed to get there. You see my point? Do we think about that, how our actions are affecting other people? And it might be a common thing. And you might, it might be common to you. And you might be used to that. But we're also seeing a very high amount of people, I guess you would say, that are, we use the word, we toss it around maybe too frequently, entitled, that they deserve it that they should get it, and we have to kind of be careful of that. And, you know, to kind of sideline a, along the lines of parenting a little bit and, and children and things, and there's, a, there's an increase. There's been an increase. There seems to be a trend. I guess it's up to 20% now of homes that have, have at least 20% of homes with children only have one child. And there's probably a high percentage of it's just one child with one parent. Now, there's different reasons for that. But my awareness, my admonition would be, you know, when, when I was growing up, and especially if you're one of the older children, and you go to school, you were told, look out for your brothers or look out for your sister. And you're expected to look out for each other. That was part of it. And so you naturally picked up on this concept you're supposed to look out. I, I have several boys, and boys fight. Girls fight too, but boys, boys uh, can get physical. And my rule was, okay, when you fight, I, you're going, I knew they're, they're going to fight. It just happens. So you know, try to control that and things. And, but no headshots. <laughs> this is your brother. Your goal is not to physically permanently damage them. You can shove around, wrestle around, do those kinds of things, but you need to be considerate, even in the struggle that you're in, that you are looking out for them. My admonition, if you have a family and there's only one child, is find other ways. Maybe it's a pet, maybe it's something, that they've got to look out for something other than themselves and bear the consequences of it. Of course, if you've been, those of us that have been parents before and stuff, and they, everybody wants the pet or the thing, they'll, oh, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it, I'll take care of it. And unfortunately, you end up taking care of it because you don't want to bear the consequences of a dead animal that never got fed or watered.
These are common sense things to us, for some of us. But we have to remember that biblical literacy and biblical training is not commonplace the same way it might have been when some of us grew up. Some of us might have grown up in the church or close to a church or maybe went to church once in a while, but these rules and things were prevalent, right? You looked out for somebody else. You're supposed to be considerate. You're supposed to be kind. You're supposed to be... It's not as commonplace anymore. Somebody dropped their books in school. You weren't, you're not supposed to what? Kick them down the aisle so they have farther to go. You're supposed to pick them up. You're supposed to consider those other things. If somebody's getting bullied, you stop it. If somebody's being talked about, you stopped it. Of course, when I was in school, if you were an upperclassman and you had a good class of juniors or seniors and the underclassmen were picking on someone younger, you stepped in and didn't allow it to continue. But do we consider others? I mean, think about it. You're driving down the, the road and you're in the left lane and nobody's in the right lane and you don't get over because I've got a right to be here just as much as they do. Do we consider others when we do things in, in, in lines at stores and things that go on because we're thinking about ourselves and we're not thinking about the impact of others and it can creep into churches and things like that. And again, I'm not saying it's something we do, but we can see it's something that we need to guard against. And as we train younger generations that we have to think about, we have to think about teaching them to look out for others and have consideration. Because it's not something that's standard and something that's considered and we have divorces that are rampant lots of single parents you know when you're in a marriage you have to consider the other person or your marriage is not going to be as fun marriage can be fun but it's a you have to be considering the other person and the other person needs to be considering you But these things we can't take for granted anymore, that they need to be taught. You know, the courtesies. You don't burp in somebody's face, cough all over them. You don't do different things like that. You need to have some courtesy and think about how it affects them. You know, if somebody comes in late and they have a child, you don't, we don't all turn around and glare at them. Of course, in our church, we, you tend to giggle along with the kid, you know, and enjoy it. Which is, so that's that welcoming stuff. We want to continue those kinds of things that, that uh, we think about how they're feeling and what's going on. But it just seems natural that some of these things bring unity. It brings that working together that, that people are considerate. And again... We might not have any issues with that, but as you're teaching others and as you're working with others and maybe your children or people at work or your grandchildren, 
in the places where you have the ability, it's a good thing to help teach. And, you know, some people don't like sports and some other athletic kinds of things, but there's things that can be learned through that, but we can also find an example. You might not have ever played soccer. I played a little bit. But it seems to be a popular thing to have young children do, so maybe you went to a a soccer game, and in that soccer game, you see in the soccer game, to kind of illustrate what we've been talking about, you see the child, and maybe they're four or five or six, I don't know how young they're going now with soccer, you could have the same, same illustration with basketball, but I think soccer, probably people can relate to, is you get the, the, the one child that gets the ball and kicks the ball, and they start at one end of the field, and other people are open, but they don't pass the ball, they kick the ball themselves. And they go all the way down, and then they get down there, and then they're the one that kicks for the score so they can score the goal. And that's okay for a five- or six-year-old. But you want to develop in them because by the time they get 14 years old and they're out there and you're the parent watching and, and it's your grandkids over and your grandkids wide open on the side and no one will pass the ball to them. Because the one kid gets the ball and he runs down there and their parents are cheering them on to keep going and keep going and they're, it's called dribble, just like in basketball, but they're not bouncing the soccer ball. They dribble it with their foot and they go all the way down and there they are and they're not passing it to anyone because they're going to score. Because it's about them scoring. And their parents are like, yeah, take it, score, score, score. Of course, every parent seems, or many seem to think, that their kid's going to be the next soccer player to play professionally. I'll give you a hint, it's not going to happen. It's a small percentage that'll make it up through there. But they're going to run through all those people, and they're going to score, and then they get all the way down there, and they kick the ball, and they kick it right to the goalie. So I've illustrated, they thought they could, they're the one that can make all the scores, but they're not that good. They can dribble the ball well, but they don't understand that they're not that good at the scoring part. But it's about scoring, right? But they keep kicking it to the same place. They didn't kick it over to the person that was open, which might have been your grandchild. But they didn't kick it over to the person that was open so that they could get the ball, so that they could score, because they wanted to score. Because that's the goal, right? To score. The problem is, the goal is for the team to score. Not the person to score. And so if the person that was good at the kicking the ball and getting it down the field passed it to the person that was good at kicking it in the goal, then they all could have scored together. And then that brings team unity. But you could have a situation where the child is depicting what has been the example because their parent is yelling from the side who may not know anything about soccer. Score! Kick the ball! Kick it in the goal! Kick it in the goal! Defying what the coach has told them to pass the ball. Because the Parents trying to live, get their glory through their child. So it can snowball. So we have to break that, right? 
Remember that people haven't been taught this. This isn't the influence of the Bible is eroding from our schools, eroding from our society. So we need to be encouraging our children, our grandchildren, the kids that are around us and wherever we can. Because remember, the child might be just be doing what their parents are telling them. And you get an attitude of, oh, that stupid kid out there, you know, they never pass the ball. And then you share that attitude with the, the kids that you have that are out there and you have the discussion with different ones in front of them. Now the kid's picked up about that stupid kid over there is the one that always keeps the balls, the ball hog, and now what have you taught? It's a challenge. We forget sometimes our kids around and grandkids around and other kids around. But through example, the ones that we can influence pass the ball. And you know what? Reward them for doing that. And if the team loses the game because we're passing the ball together, the goal is not to go to the World Series of soccer when you're a teenager or a preteen or in the second grade. It's an opportunity to train others in teaming and working together, and how we consider others, and how we think about others. And so we've talked about this, and we understand this in children. And then we ask ourselves, where could I do better in my interactions? Do I think too highly of myself and my ideas? Am I open to the conversations? Am I willing to be taught, to, to be trained? Do I think about how what I'm about to do is going to affect other people? And sometimes we've got to do some tough things because it has to be done. And sometimes we've got to be some, do some tough things that the people don't like for their own benefit, and they won't even know it. So do we think about other people before we, were, we do what we're about to do? Do we think about the impact we have? I mean, I, there's things I could do. I mean, I think about the person that's at the counter or the person serving the food, it's not their fault. Some of the things, the person on the telephone, it's not their fault. Unfortunately, sometimes I take it out on them. And I say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. There's nothing you can do about it. But how would you like if you were in that role and somebody had been in customer service and you know what that feels like? So consider other people. So let's just read the verse, verses one more time and may we be reminded. May we try to influence our culture remembering that they don't have the influence of Scripture like they might have had when we were growing up. And might we have compassion. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, Verse 1 of chapter 2, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let us be standing together. Father God, may you teach us today. First, may we be taught on how we should conduct ourselves and relate with other people. How we should think about ourselves in regards to other people. And Father, then, having learned ourselves or endeavoring to do better ourselves, May we, when we have opportunity, influence those in a positive way, in a loving way, that we have influence over, that they might have these same qualities, that there might be unity and caring and concern for others. For sometimes we see things in children and we must learn them. And then, Father, as we get older and become adults, sometimes we have to be reminded. And then we continue on. And sometimes, even as older adults, we have to be careful that we don't feel like we've earned the right to do what we want to do, say what we want to say, because we deserve it. without considering how it impacts others. So help us, Lord, to be reminded to be compassionate. Help us to not think too highly of ourselves. Help us to consider others in our choices, in our conduct, in our behaviors. And as we'll find out here in a, maybe next week in the message, that we might have the mind of Christ and see others as you see them. But help us to begin here, this lesson from today. May you encourage us and strengthen us to be who you'd have us to be in this coming week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.